Want a bank that was ranked among the top in the nation for business banking? Whitney Bank has you covered with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South. So stop by today. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. If you haven't heard of a makerspace, you've been living under a rock for the past few years. Maker is one of the trendy buzzwords to enter the vernacular of late, and makerspaces are popping up in communities, schools, and universities all around the country. But what does it mean to be a maker, and how do makers make money, or do they? My guests today have some answers. Paul Claxton is the owner of Southern Collaborative, a business coaching and consulting firm in Baton Rouge. He's also one of the co-founders of the Mid-City Makers Market, a pop-up market for creative entrepreneurs, painters, sculptors, builders, you know, makers, who gather monthly to showcase their creations at a space on Eugene Street in Mid-City. Their first event was in December 2016, and in the months since, they've grown bigger, attracting more makers and more customers who want more than a mall or an Amazon shopping experience. Paul, it is such a great concept. I look forward to hearing about how you're helping this to grow. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Look forward to sharing. Joshua Wascom is the owner of Wascom Woodworks and the co-owner with his girlfriend, Elise Patterson, of a side venture called Elosh Cards. Through both, he creates wood products for the home, accessories, gifts, and even wooden greeting and gift cards. Josh is among the makers who showcase and sell their creative wares at the Mid-City Makers Market. He's a Baton Rouge native who graduated from Woodlawn High School and LSU before deciding he wanted to be a professional maker. Josh, thanks for being here today. Thank Welcome you for having to me. Lunch. All right, well, Paul, I'm going to start with you. And um, tell me, makers didn't really exist 10 years ago, or maybe we called them artisans or craftsmen or people who would go to the arts market every month, but all of a sudden they're makers and they're the it thing. How did this movement sort of evolve? I mean, if we can call it a movement. I think that uh, just the people's appreciation of handmade goods and, you know, with the rise of social media, the ability for someone to tell their story is a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And there are certain people and Josh is one of them across from me here that you know they they're they're skilled they have a, an artistic eye and ability and they also have a great story and so part of that uh, part of that movement is people's genuine interest in why these people do what they do interesting and the mid city makers market says its goal is to create a laid back shopping experience for you in the middle of mid city a chance for you to skip the big box stores and shop small in your neighborhood with your very own favorite local makers how does it do that how, how did it come about and and how is it evolving well there was uh there, there's three uh, groups of co-founders, myself, Justin Lemoyne, uh, and he ha uh, owns ELS Landscape, which is where we okay. have the market, and then also Madeline and Dawson Ellis, who own Mimosa Handcrafted. 
and each of us bring a different skill set. Madeline is the creative one, Justin's the, the organizer, member of Mid-City, and I'm kind of the logistics business person. And we just wanted something to do where we live. I mean, I live a couple blocks away, Justin lives behind his office, um, and it's a need in Mid-City, so we just did it. And, and has it gotten bigger? It's gotten bigger and bigger every month, more or less? It, it has, yeah. We started in December just as an experiment to see would this work with 12 makers. And it started at noon at 12.15. We, we looked around and it was shoulder to shoulder with people. And we were like, wow, wow this, this could work. And we're up to about uh, 45 makers now. 45 makers, that's fantastic. And, and is there any sort of city permitting requirement that you need or can you just pop up anywhere? Well, it... One of the big things that allows us to do this is Justin uh, co-owns a building with Madeline and Dawson and another individual, uh, Jeremy Spikes of uh, Mimos Lawn and Landscaping. And so it's private property, they have their insurance, and it's just a pop-up market, so. So you don't need commercial zoning, in other words? Not that I'm aware of. I'm not, that's <laughs> Justin's expertise, so I'll, I'll default to him. So 45 makers, and, and Joshua Wascom, you are one of them. You're a woodworker, you went to LSU, you majored in general studies. Did you intend to become a maker or a woodworker back then, or were you trying to figure out what to do? Uh, well, I knew I was probably going to do something in art. Uh, I was doing illustrations for girls' T-shirts in uh, Los, Los Angeles for a while. Uh, I don't know. Ended up trying to find something more lucrative and then just felt myself like really bored with my life. So... Uh, I moved back to Baton Rouge and started doing uh, wood turning, uh, woodworking, and just selling local markets. And uh, finished up my last semester of college, and then just realized that it was something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. For you know something along those lines, being able to work for yourself, make what you want to make. Uh, the environment's really friendly. Everyone you meet out there. <coughs> it sounds wonderful. I mean, the key is how do you sell it? That has got to be the challenge. Um, I was actually surprised how, how many people were looking for that kind of stuff. Um, I guess I'm kind of cheap myself. So <laughs> like when I go to places like that and I see things that are... Like beautiful uh, handcrafted wooden bowls, for instance. <laughs> you you yeah. wouldn't spring for one. Uh, you Maybe now, but uh, at that time I was just like, yeah, I would... It just seemed like a world outside myself as far as uh, being able to relate to people that could do that. But... Um, yeah, it's been a uh, it's been an interesting experience to say the least. So, how many how many pieces will you produce, say, in a week? Uh, it really depends on what I'm working on. So this week I'm making tables. So hopefully at the end of the week I'm gonna have five or six tables. Big tables or uh, like coffee? A know, lot of them like tables coffee tables, um, mid size, nothing large. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it really all depends on what I'm making. I mean, I just go at it for. 10 hours a day and see what I got. Wow. And then and then, do you have like a set number of, of products that you need to sell or hope to sell in a given week or month? Or? Um, well, my girlfriend's helped me organize that a lot better. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just, I go to make whatever, see what I can make. After a while, I'll get bored if I make something over and over. I'll look for something new. Finding new things always just takes way more time than it should. So you end up having to figure out how you're going to do it and then a couple of weeks go by and you're like, all right, got to go back to making the things that, uh, that know, sell. Yeah, that sell. So. so, so Paul, this is, I mean, I'm seeing the fundamental challenge here, right? I mean, this is the artist, the creative type who makes beautiful things. 
you must come in and help these guys and gals make money doing this, or at least support themselves, turn this talent into something commercially viable. That was that was my goal for the Mid-City Makers Market. So Madeline, of course, wanted to be a, a place for the creative community. Justin wanted to grow Mid-City. And then I wanted to meet great people like Josh and many others and say, hey, if you tweak your business this way or if you pitch it this way or... And most of the time I say, you're not charging enough. Like that's, mm-hmm. that, that's been the starting conversation okay. from the get-go. But yeah, like for me, that's really rewarding. I've got 22 years of retail experience. And so I can look and say, this would sell, this wouldn't do more of this. Um, and and it, that was the, really the whole, my role in the Mid-City Makers Market. That's so interesting. What, what is your background? Where did you come from in retail? Uh, I was uh, 12 years at Walmart and then uh, also with Cabela's. Really? Mm-hmm. So this is the other end of the spectrum, from Walmart to the real handcrafted maker? It, it is in a way, but what I found was the things that I love most about retail mm-hmm. was the, the innovation and the spark and helping people and connecting the dots and, and, you know, how do you make money out of something and taking a small percentage. And so this allows me to do what I really love. That's great. So you go to the makers at, at the makers market and, and you help them price and you help them with their inventory mix? Do you just advise them sort of on a, do they pay you to advise them or are you doing it just out of the goodness of your heart? We've, uh, really it's it's more out of the, just out of wanting to grow um, this group of individuals. Um, I've, I've done uh, workshops um, recently and actually Josh's girlfriend attended one uh, that we had last week. Um, and so, you know, you make a little bit of money that way. Um, but any of the makers that wanted to, you know, have some, you know, sit down consultation, I'm more than happy to do so. Okay. Now, um, where do most of the, the makers work? I mean, is this a, this is a full-time job for you, Josh. You said 10 hours a day. Do all of them do this full-time or do some of them have day jobs? It's a mix. I mean, yeah, Josh is fortunate. It's um, definitely a mix. You know, others, it's, it's. It's their part-time job. It's their weekend job, and they also they'll have a full-time job. They'll spend time making, and then the weekends they have to go and sell it. Right. So it's it, it's a labor of love, no doubt. Now the makers market is is once a month, but there are other arts markets around this area. Do you travel around to the different markets, Josh? I mean, is uh, there a regular set of markets that you send people to? I don't travel as much as I used to. Um, at this point, I'm just focusing more on getting stuff in stores and doing just the local markets, the Baton Rouge Farmers Market, the Mid-City Makers. Uh, I do the Frenchman Art Market in New Orleans from time to time. Mm-hmm. But That's a great one. Yeah. Um, at this point, it's it's just sitting out in a booth for eight hours knowing that you're not sell- making anything. <laughs> and it's just... You st- you just have to find yourself willing to uh, sacrifice that percentage by selling it through a store. So um, I'm kind of geared more in that direction now. So that's what you're that's what you're working towards is getting your product in stores. Uh, yeah, I'm in a few stores at the moment, but uh, hoping to get to a point where I'll end. I don't need to do the markets. I just do them for fun. So. Okay. Now you mentioned um, tables. What mm-hmm. else do you make? What are your specialty items? Uh, I sell a lot of wooden bowls uh, and cutting boards, a lot of kitchenware in general, uh, and I do everything out of local woods. So I spend a lot of time doing custom pieces. So if somebody has a tree in their yard, that'll be a project for me for a while. Just oh, very making cool. uh, different things for them out of it. Um, I would say, yeah, the kitchenware is probably my biggest seller. Mm-hmm. 
And and how do you know how to price it, Paul? I mean, that is a great question. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is. Like it's um, part. Most of it, I would say, is gut. And then you say, does does this look right? And then you'll do your research. Google is your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, when I have the conversations with makers, I'll ask them. Hey, so who is your who is your idol in this space? Who is who is the person that you would strive to be to? And they would say, whomever. And, well, let's go look at how they price things. Oh, well, I don't think that's a fair comparison. Is it? Why not? It, my question, exactly. And so, you know, you kind of work through that aha moment. And, yeah, you can't flip the switch and go from $100 to $1,000. But there's a, there, you build the road to that. You tell the story. And in telling the story, you increase the value of what you make. Mm-hmm. And how, how receptive has the Baton Rouge market been to the maker's concept to the maker's market to the handcrafted right. so I'm, far josh I take mean, that I one i feel like it's been pretty good um i feel like there's a lot of love there and there's a lot of momentum that's happening and i see it a lot in the mid-city area because they have that other craft market that just opened recently like mid-city rising street, mid-city yeah. rising. okay so there are two of them now basically correct yeah correct. that's out of the um it's a it's a business called uh, The Collective. Mm-hmm. Okay. Paul, what does Southern Collaborative do besides advise and help the maker's market? You must have paying clients that you advise in other ways. I do, yeah. It's, it's just a very, very small business coaching and consulting firm. And um, I'm working with a, a couple of great individuals uh, right now, Wonderlust by Abby. She's, oh, sure. You know, ball of fire. Right, absolute right, lover. Right. And she's looking to grow her business. And so... You know, even though she's not necessarily a maker, she's a procurer of maker's goods. And uh, we're working on uh, whatever the next step for Wonderlust by Abby is. Okay. And she's a she's a clothing retailer. She started out as a pop-up retailer out of her car, as I recall. Yes. Uh, yep. Uh, actually, I, uh, I had coffee with the other day, and she showed me the... Uh, 2012 Toyota 4Runner that she used to <laughs> haul to the markets. So I was like, wow, that's that's quite a quite a growth story you have. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. We're talking to Paul Claxton of Southern Collaborative and Josh Wascom of Wascom Woodworks. Well, let's take a, a break from business for just a minute, and I'll ask y'all a fun question. Actually, you gave me the the idea. Uh, who who would be your idol, Josh? I guess in the woodworking space or in the creative space, um, who do you look to? For inspiration, who is your muse? Oh man, I, I honestly I don't really have one. It just kind of depends on the project. Um, I do like a lot of David C. Roy's stuff. He does um, wooden kinetics. I'm trying to remember what state he's in, but he's an engineer that figured out doing um, using toy wind up springs to be able to have uh, kind of working like a clock to have the different plates move and give. Um, psychedelic okay. uh, imagery and uh, yeah all this stuff is, is beautiful I mean it's very expensive but I mean it's definitely worth it that's great Paul what about you I mean even though I know you're on the, the retail and the business side certainly you have an appreciation for the creative as well do you have an inspiration a person that you look to that you would emulate to guide your business or I think for the for the space that I work in generally, I'd have to give that credit to um, Madeline. Actually, really, just the, her drive. So, 
you know, everything that she produces is beautiful. Her ideas, the, the kids' corner that we always have at the market, mm -hmm. that is always a Madeline creation, and it's always themed differently. Um, but she's such a consumer <coughs> of information and ideas. Yeah. So if you, if you rattle off an author or a book, she's read it, she's gone to their seminars, she's listened to their podcasts, and just her drive is really what has kind of, it, it actually what allowed me to do what I'm doing today. Uh, Southern Collaborative was really born uh, at their kitchen uh, having coffee for like one hour a week. Uh, That's great. So, yeah. Um, how did you transition from, from Walmart, you know, to this sort of indie non-corporate world? Um, it must have been quite a change. Uh, Gladly, I think is how <laughs> I trend. Uh, no, you know, I it, it's a very different world. You know, Walmart, Cabela's, re big box retail in general. Um, but it, it, you know, it was the education that I needed to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, where you know, those entities certainly pay the bills and put the kids through college. Um, my daughter's only two and six months, so I don't have so to So you have a lot that. of bills in college ahead. <laughs> yeah, and, and two weddings, and yeah, so, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it allowed me to realize what I, what I really love. Right. So what exactly were you doing at Walmart and, and at Cabela's? Um, so I was, uh, I was a store manager with, with Walmart, and then I transitioned over to uh, Cabela's in, I think, 2008. Mm -hmm. And that was a that was an incredible change. Uh, and then I was a store manager, then a district manager okay. uh, for Cabela's. Okay. So this really is a change. It is. How is the Mid City Makers Market um, promoting the makers? Uh, I know you all advertise on social media. You've got a robust website. Is it all is it all through social media or? Um, I would say it's fairly organic. Uh, and again, you know, a lot of the credit goes to Justin and Madeline. They have some local contacts. I know. Uh, Madeline knows um, a lot of folks in uh, radio, um, and really, it's Baton Rouge itself has promoted us. Um, Liz Coe from WAFB, and then also Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of grabbed on and showed up one day and says, "Hey, can we tell tell the story? Tell the story about this?" Yeah. Does the does the market itself actually make money? I mean, do the vendors pay for space to be there? That's uh, thirty bucks or thirty-five. Yeah. Thirty-five. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty. It's very yeah, it's reasonable. Expensive, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we don't um, it, we don't really make it. Well, we don't make any money actually. Um, it was kind of uh, in the red with the first couple of markets, but we really wanted to keep it affordable, a fun space, and then whatever we make off of fees, we just reinvest in I don't know lighting or tables or music. We always have police there just to you know um, sure. make sure it's a fun family event. And then, what is, what is the vision for it long term? I mean, is the idea to eventually turn it into something that would make money, or is it, um, or is it more just something to enhance the community and to give makers a place to, to be? Both, I think. Um, it was interesting. Last market, within about three hours, we were approached by two different individuals about sponsorships. Really? And it was one of those like, you know. We're just, this is our little market, you know, and somebody says, oh, well, you know, can I, can I, you know, help support this part of the, of the market? We're like, wow, yeah, that'd be, yeah. that'd be wonderful. And then we could go and buy more lights or fix the electrical or, um, but I think the, the goal is to continue to, to procure these great makers and, and to give them a space to connect with the community. Um, 
we've been approached by you know some folks looking at a retail space mm -hmm. um, and I, I would like to really get a presence online first yeah. um, but we're still only six months into it so we'll see so it's new Josh wh what about you do you have a business plan that's sort of guiding your growth and helping you as you you know try to get into retail outlets uh, yeah, a lot of it is basically Elise doing everything. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, but a lot of it, we're trying to get, um, I saved up a few years and got a CNC router. So we're kind of starting a side business of um, kind of manufacturing. And uh, so we're doing wooden greeting cards, things like that, wooden bow ties. Um, Fat, okay, that's what I wanted to ask you. Elise's business is Elosh Cards. Correct. Which is, is separate from Wascom Woodworks. Correct. But you make wooden cards. Mm, that's yeah, correct. That's correct. Okay, so, I, I mean, I wasn't familiar with wooden cards. Do people give them, like, with gifts? Or? Oh, yeah, you can, you can write on the back, you can mail them, anything like that. Um, I'd gotten one as a wedding invitation, like, four years ago. Oh, very I was cool. like, how have I not seen this before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, is know, it a thing in other places? I mean, are we behind the curve here? I, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've been doing it at the Frenchman Art Market, selling them out there for a while, and I, I feel like everybody, no matter where they're, you know, it's mostly tourists, and nobody seems to know, like, know about them okay. or seen them anywhere. So, I guess it's a little niche thing that's happening, but, um, now, do you all sell those online? Or we sell those online, yeah. we sell those at the market, and we also have them up in local stores. So. And you said wooden bow ties. Are those to wear? Oh, yeah. Oh, very cool. <laughs> Just <laughs> at a wedding party the other day. So it's eight groomsmen with uh, wooden magnolia ties. Fantastic. <laughs> They're incredible. And, and I'm they sorry <laughs> I had to chime in. I, <laughs> no, I swoon over them every time, and I'm like, oh. Great story about Josh. Before I even knew Josh, uh, I was gifted one of his bowls for I think my birthday for my wife and um, I was like I, I absolutely love this product and it's a big uh, magnolia yeah <laughs> yeah uh, big magnolia bowl and no it's made out of magnolia wood in other mm -hmm. words mm -hmm. wow beautiful yeah if you don't have one you need to add it to your kitchen and, and magnolia, is that a good word, wood to work with? I don't, uh, I don't usually hear of magnolia. Is, a, is that a, a wood that's very it's, common? To it's not a, an extremely dense wood, but mm -hmm. it's uh, the colors, and it, especially when it spalts, which is just um, fermentation from the sugars in the wood, start to bring out all these striations in the wood. And it, I mean, it, it becomes absolutely beautiful uh, if you just let it sit out before you cut into the log for a few months. so uh, Where do you procure the wood that you use in your uh, crafts? So I cheat. Uh, <laughs> I have a friend of mine that does wood removal service, and then a friend of my dad's uh, owns a place that people that do wood removal services bring their wood to. So this was just connections we had way before doing it. Um, oh, that's great. So, yeah, I mean, for them, they have to pay to get rid of it. And, and then you can pick it up for free. <laughs> yeah, I always try to make them something out of it. <laughs> Let them know there's some love there. But uh, but that must help tremendously, not oh to yeah. have the expense of the raw material, oh yeah. right? Most definitely. And then the tools that you use are what? Uh, so I have a wide range of tools. Um, so like sawmill, log splitter, uh, planers, CNC router, Sander. I mean, pretty much everything I've made has just gone into more tools. Mm -hmm. So um, at this point, uh, I hope hopefully at some point I will start to see money come to something other <laughs> than just like trying to buy more equipment. 
What do you work alone all day, or is Elise there with you? And, and does uh, she make the wooden cards with you? Or she has a nine to five job, so oh. but she works all day anyway. So she gets home, um, works on her paintings, works on our business stuff, um, and then yeah, most of the time it's just me in the shop, just going at it all day. Do you sketch out your creations before you begin work on them, or what? Uh, it depends on what I'm creating at the time. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do is uh, lathe turn, so lathe turn stuff's a lot. I just kind of, I just kind of put the block on there and see where it takes me. If I'm making tables, I'll draft it, you know, draw them out. I did a, um, a pie, pie safe about two weeks ago, and so that one I had to sit down and you know draw it all out, right. and know exactly what I was getting. But uh, it, it really all depends on what I'm making is how I approach it. And, and do you kind of get in the zone when you're doing it? Do you turn on music? Oh, do yeah. you just... <laughs> I listen to NPR. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, um, audiobooks, NPR, and music, podcasts, just anything to kind of pass the time. Fantastic. What, y'all, business, how is Baton Rouge as a place to do business? This is a good market for, for makers. And, and is there anything that you think we need here for makers that we don't have currently? I think it's a it's a community that's starving for for more, mm -hmm. um, and and that's one of the reasons why. Of course, I'm biased, but I've I've seen it be really successful. Is the the community comes out in droves, and it's not just mid city. We pull from all around Baton Rouge, um, but people are looking for something fun, family friendly to do, and we have so many artists and makers, or full time, part time, and they're looking for venues to do more of this or to get the exposure or get the experience so yeah i mean i would could, could baton rouge be better probably but you know what city can't claim that what about financing is is financing available or have you even had to start looking for that yet josh um i've been fortunate enough to not you need know, it not really need it but uh i know a lot of a lot of things were just kind of lucky for me in the beginning my dad having a lot of equipment whenever I first started doing it so I've I've been really lucky in that in that regard <clears throat> so you got free equipment and you got free wood so that's yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a good way to be a woodworker huh? <laughs> that's not cheating that's, that's pretty really much the right. only way yeah. it's about the only way where do you all see yourselves in three to five years Paul what about you I would I would still like to be um, working with the small business and the, especially the maker community. I'd like to see mid-city makers online mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and growing our, our maker base. We're kind of at a, a maximum right now with the property. Uh, I think we could, you know, because we don't want to get rid of the kids area. Uh, we always want to have uh, live music, drinks, food. And so there's only so many people we could fit in there. Mm -hmm. We're working through the logistics of what's next there. All right. Well, Paul Claxton and Joshua Wascom, y'all are bringing a depth and dynamic to the local entrepreneurial community while also enhancing the creative offerings here in Baton Rouge and giving makers a place to showcase their creations. So good work. Thanks so much for bringing it here and keep it up. And thanks for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you so Thank much you for having us. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Paul Claxton of Southern Collaborative and Joshua Wascom of Wascom Woodworks and Elash Cards. You can find out more about Southern Collaborative and Wascom Woodworks by following the links on our website. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. 
Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. All the music on Out to Lunch is composed and performed by Mitchell Foreman. You can find more of Mitchell's music wherever great jazz is streamed or sold and at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, it's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. Want a bank that was ranked among the top in the nation for business banking? Whitney Bank has you covered with nearly 200 locations across the Gulf South. So stop by today. Learn more at HancockWhitney.com. Member FDIC.